entrust our brother to God's merciful keeping, and we commit his body to space. From ashes to ashes, from dust to dust, ensure Jesus Christ! Didn't they just fix that thing? Oh, shit. Who's listening anyway? Hello, friends. I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. Welcome back, friends. This is our first episode in the Pod Lab. Well, Matt and I's first episode in the Pod Lab. It's also our first episode drinking coffee. Yeah, because it's not uh, like the crack of doom in the middle of the night trying to surreptitiously record around our kids. Yep. Yep. And I put Matt in a chair that hopefully doesn't make too much noise, but he's managed to find a way to rattle it already. (laughs) (laughs) So this is our movie episode. It's a sci-fi because last week was horror, and we go fantasy, horror, sci-fi. So this one is a sci-fi, and it was Enemy Mine from 1985. One of my favorite sci-fi movies. Yeah, Rachel introduced me to this movie, I don't know, shortly after we started dating. Yeah, it's really good. It's one of those movies that... It's one of those movies that sometimes gets overlooked because it's not a big action movie. It's, it's a bromance. Um, which is more than just a bromance that cheapens it a little, but ultimately it's a bromance, which is why it's going to show up right around our Valentine's Day episodes. Aww. So we had one where a vampire fell in love with women just to eat them, and then we get one where a human and an inhuman alien, as they describe them in the movie, get a chance to actually meet each other and wonder why they were enemies all along. The answer is they don't have to be. They don't have to be. So this movie stars Dennis Quaid, little tiny baby Dennis Quaid. This is before Inner Space. This is before lots of his big movies. He is so young, he's almost unrecognizable in some scenes. Right. He doesn't have the distinctive, like, cheek ridges around his mouth. Yeah, the Dennis Quaid look. Yeah. Yeah. And it also has Louis Gossett Jr., who has gone on to be, was in things prior to this, but has also gone on to be in quite a bit of stuff. Like, he's won numerous awards, and he is phenomenal in this. If Sci-Fi ever won Academy Awards, he should have won one for this, because he does such a good job. Plus, he does all of those vocal things by himself. Right. That's not, that's not post, that's not done in post. That's him. Just making the, right. like, There's no sound engineer. Yeah. Fixing his his vocalizations. It's also directed by Wolfgang Peterson, which I just want to note. He also directed The Never Ending Story, which 
our, magical. Our kids just watched. <laughs> the, the kids finally watched the whole movie, both of them, all the way through. Yeah, they made it past the Gamork. Yes. Yeah, although I still have to reassure them before I turn the movie on that this is the a spoiler. The horse will be okay. The horse will be okay, guys. <laughs> um, he also directed Troy and The Perfect Storm. So he has quite the resume. And he directed this one, which is based on a short story. And Enemy Mine, of course, is just referring to like my enemy. But I guess the studio wanted them to put in a subplot about a mine so that people would understand why it was Enemy what? Mine. <laughs> No, it's like a possessive thing. No, people will get it. It'll be all right. Um, If you didn't get it, it's not about an actual mine. (laughs) 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 And this was actually entering production right when the studio was changing hands. And so they were planning to cancel this movie. But thankfully, Dennis and Louis both in their contract got paid no matter what. So you make a movie, they get paid. You don't make a movie, they get paid. So they were like, well, I guess we're making a movie. We're paying the actors either way. I guess we're making a movie. Also, Peter Jurassic had some scenes in this movie. What? Yeah, but they were cut out. Aww. I know. I want to see the extended edition. Peter Jurassic, if you guys don't know, plays in one of my favorite television shows. Babylon 5. Babylon 5, which one day we will do a spinoff pod that is just Babylon 5 because I fucking love Babylon 5 so much. And he is Ambassador Lon Malari. Londo. Londo. Okay. Sorry, only Lon came through that. Oh, well, I'm extra sultry today. So, <laughs> yeah, and this, this movie is set in 2092, between 2092 and 2095. So we've got 70 years to get here, which I totally believe humans would finally come to peace with each other, go out into the galaxy, and then just start some shit, which is actually the plot of Babylon 5, too. uh a little bit yeah yeah okay all right so since i'm extra salty matt is going to be our narrator today the handoff has been made all right so we open to dennis quaid doing a voiceover about how great earth turned out (laughs) yeah you know my feelings on voiceovers yeah yeah, peace on earth, goodwill to all. Let's go to the stars and shoot some people. And shoot some people. Get our rage <laughs> we, out there. We found these beautiful planets. There's already people there. They're on our stuff. Yeah. How do basically. how dare they get to our stuff first? <laughs> <laughs> we legally annex the system. The miniatures in these scenes are really good. Yeah, they're really well done. At the time you didn't really have an alternative and Miniatures and matte paintings were really good looking. The last Starfighter aged really well. The last Starfighter isn't far from here, and that's one of the first movies where we included CG footage, and it looks like it looks like it's the first movie to incorporate a lot of CG. I mean, and they did a really good job, but it was also like thirty seconds of footage, and it took over forty eight hours in a supercomputer to like render it. Yeah. So yeah, these miniatures. I mean, this whole space battle is really well done yeah the space station looks good the the fighter movements this was one of the issues star wars had which was they're using miniatures but they want really dynamic like fighter yeah, yeah. movement and that was really hard to do and so they they pulled off some magic to do it with the miniatures yeah but 
Industrial Light and Magic was probably not working on this movie. Mm, I, I don't know who did the special effects for this movie. Uh, I was I was skimming the credits and I didn't see uh, um, anything pop out at me. But uh, the the effects here age well. They do. It still yeah. looks really good. Yeah, a good practical effect rarely goes bad. Right. So, so we we see some enemy fighters. We don't. We haven't seen what the enemy looks like no. yet or anything. We know they're the Drac. We just see some um, a group of four ships flying through space, and then oh no, alarms! We got to go. Human ships launch, and then we cut into Dennis Quaid with his gunner, I guess, in the back. And he shoots a couple. I think he shoots three of them, and then they shoot one of the human fighters. And they're like, oh, hell no. No, how (laughs) dare you? (laughs) So then he chases this other guy down and ends up uh, basically being so caught up in the moment of, I don't know, rage or whatever, that he follows this guy into the atmosphere and uh, ends up destroying his own ship. Yeah. After the other guy ejects and he crashes on the planet. Yeah. He tears his own ship apart to get this guy. Yeah. Which is a, it's a choice because he's not alone. He's not alone in his little fighter ship. Right. He's got his buddy in there with him, his gunner, which I pointed out to Matt. Joey. There's a part where he asks how many K's do we have left? And he's like, well, we got 65, but we're going to have a heat problem. And the 65E that he looks at is actually just a digital clock upside down. This is 359. It works. It works. It, it works. It's when, for once you know it, you're like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they had what they had. Yeah. Right? And the prop master was probably like, and I do I've like that this. they thought in three dimensions. So there's a part where Dennis has to get out of the way. Uh, we don't know his name yet, uh, but we. He has to get out of the way, and he actually goes up and over and back around. Because yeah. a lot of times in space, we end up fighting in a plane. Right. Although space is infinite in all directions, so we can go any way we want, guys. And so I always like it when someone realizes that we can fight. You can go up. Yeah, you can go in more than one direction. The enemy's gate is down. Yes. That's... <laughs> Totally changes the game. Yeah. If you just shift your perspective. Uh, there was a book I read that had this these flying creatures that end up going to space. Uh, and they were saying one of the advantages that they had is they all grew up flying their entire lives. And so, and they were fighting against uh, a race that lived on the land, basically like humans. And their advantage was they've gone their whole lives thinking about moving in three dimensions. Yeah. And so they had this huge advantage in space because they could translate that into space battles. And so at the tactical level of each fighter moving around, they were a lot better at maneuvering and outmaneuvering the the enemies. Yeah, but he gets his gunner killed. Yeah. Yeah, because when they're when in the When they're atmosphere. crashing, he bangs his head. Oh, his um his visor, his glass visor thing 
breaks. Right, because there's like a power surge and it and it burns them or something. Yeah. Yeah. So he pulls them out before the ship explodes because of course it explodes and it's full of rocket fuel. Yeah. And he's basically dying. And they'd been talking uh before they engaged with the Drac fighters, the human fighters had all been kind of chatting with each other. But this one guy was seeing this girl, Murchison, and he really liked her. And they make some... Inappropriate crack about her weight? Yeah. 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 And so as Joey is laying there dying, he's like, "Don't guys, don't call her that anymore. And like, you don't call her that anymore. And make sure the other guys don't call her that anymore because it really hurts her feelings. <laughs> Which, shout out for Joey for being a good bro all the way to the end. Yeah. It was like, this is my last breath, and I'm going to tell you, with it, stop judging people based on their appearance. Right. The poo. <laughs> and then he gets buried under a pile of rocks. Yeah, because that's all there is. It's a breathable atmosphere, but it's effectively a desolate planet. Yeah. Which there's life on it. There's just not a ton of, it's not tropical paradise, let's put it that way. Right. And there doesn't appear to be much in the way of atmosphere. Every time he looks up, the sky is clear. Right. So. But he flew in through clouds. Right. Yeah. Maybe he only looks up when the sky is clear. (laughs) And you can almost always see stars, which means you're not getting light scattering. Right. Which either means the atmosphere is different or the sun is doesn't have much blue light because blue light is preferentially scattered in the upper atmosphere. Or it was easier to be like, guys, they're on an alien planet. Look, you can tell by the, the way sky it looks is. different. You can tell by the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we get Dennis Quaid by himself. Yeah. And he's also full of rocket fuel and rage. It, I was about to make, I was about to say that same thing. <laughs> Fist bump. Fist bump. We're we're on the same wavelength, honey. As usual. So we get this voiceover of Dennis Quaid just kind of monologuing to himself because he's alone yeah. on an unexplored planet. Anytime we were going to have a long period of silence, they give us a voiceover. Which kind of works. Uh, yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes it's, I don't, I would have been okay with feeling like he was alone. Right. It's, usually it's nicer... Or it, usually it's more impactful to have the character be alone in silence and have the audience, the viewer, experience the same thing. It could be quotes from the book, quotes from the novella. Oh, that's right. That they thought they couldn't get in otherwise to give us a little bit of world building. And it gives us a little bit of his mindset yeah, and his prejudices and biases. Which he just hates the drac. He's literally never seen one, which he realizes right about now. He doesn't even know what they look like. And he gives us a brief overview of kind of what they are just because he's gushing about how gross it is. Right. And the the monstrous dis- description that he was indoctrinated with. Yeah. They don't even have sexes. They're both sexes in one and they're... Or, they Pretty are they are genderless, though. let's put it that way. They are genderless, uh, but they're humanoid. And they look like lizards. 
They're reptilian. Okay. Okay. All right. It's fine. So he's searching for a purpose alone on this planet with small hope of rescue. And which they were only flying like 30 seconds away from the space station. Maybe they can fly really fucking fast. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the Drac fighters were actually really far from the space station, but they were like within sensor range or whatever. We don't get a sense of. Yeah, we don't get a sense of distance. No. So he decides he needs to kill this fucking alien. Yeah. Uh, and so we get this montage of him traveling across the barren landscape, uh, following uh, like a pillar of smoke coming from the Drax crashed ship. Very Old Testament. Pillar of smoke by day, pillar of fire by night. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get like a, a little sample of life on this planet. And there's this little turtle tentacle thing. Yeah, turtle bug. The turtle bug is wandering around and ends up sliding into this pit. And it's not a Sarlacc pit. No, it's not. Definitely not. It's definitely not a Sarlacc pit. And we do not get a tentacle with hooks on it. Yeah, we do. Yeah. The Sarlacc is just just tentacles. But this is like, it's like a... I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a razor sharp tooth suction cup. Yeah, it has like a, ridges on it with on this really thin stalk that comes out and, and it, it goes whack and hooks in and pulls it down. Yeah. And at first we don't see this is a nice like gradual monster reveal. Yeah. Because we don't see what the underground part looks like until much later. And it spits out the turtle bug's shell. Because yep. it eats everything else. And this creature freaked the ever loving shit out of me when i was a kid it's real creepy it's real creepy now but when i was young my dad loved these kinds of movies so we watched all this kind of stuff together and whenever that thing came out i was like oh god it's so creepy it's it's creepy it feeds into all of your fear of like monstrous things under the dirt in holes and shit like it's just (laughs) It, it's it's good. It takes a lot of boxes. It's a good monster. And so they, they give us a little taste yeah. of what just, life on this planet is like. taste. So then he gets close to the, the wreck, the Drac yeah. wreck. And there's like a pool of water, which... Oh, and it's raining. It's not raining yet. Okay. It didn't start raining yet. When he first gets there, there's a, he crashed right next to a little pond, which lucky for him. Yeah, he likes ponds. It likes ponds. It likes ponds. It likes ponds. And it's swimming. Yeah. Pretty effectively. Uh, We even get a little shot of it swimming underwater. Um, And he's like, all right, I'm here. I made it. It's alive. So I get to kill it. Which, I don't know. Okay. That's that's as far as he thought. Right. Which the (laughs) drag had ejected. So its ship and its like pod that it came out of are two separate things. Right. So Dennis Quaid finds the wrecked ship first, and that's where he sees the, um, hey, more rocket fuel. 
because we needed more rocket fuel in this movie. Yeah. And then. Oh, yeah. We see it dripping in. Yeah. And then it, it, Dennis Quaid finds it up by the pond and it's chilling out. Okay. So that's like campsite set up. uh, Escape pod. Yeah. It's got a little campsite set up. It's got. It's got a fire. It's got a fire. It's got a place to And Dennis Quaid has his gun. It's settled in to wait for something, for another drag to come and get it. Which we're going to refer to Jerry as it, because Jerry refers to itself as it. And Dennis Quaid consistently refers to Jerry as it, and it never corrects him. So, yeah. on the subject of pronouns, Jerry <laughs> is it. Just like Murderbot. Just like Murderbot. Well, Hopefully this will be easier to stick with it. It's hard to refer to a sentient being as it. Right. Yeah. Right. But we're going to do our best. I think if it were they, Murderbot were they, it'd be mm-hmm. so much more comfortable. It'd be easier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it implies inanimate. Right. Like they I'm good with. All the other pronouns I'm good. But it is, I don't know why, but it is really hard. It feels disrespectful, I think. Yeah. To refer to something as it. So, I forgot his name. Oh, Davidge. Savage. Well, yeah. we haven't. We're, he hasn't introduced himself yet. Yeah, we don't. He's nameless they, human. Have they said his name at all? I think they called him Will. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. His fighter crew, bro crew, whatever. Yeah. Um. So Will, at this point, he's Will, is sneaking up on the pool. Yeah. And he pulls his gun out, and he drops his gun. Yeah, he trips and falls. Drops his gun in the water. And I was thinking, I've heard that the, like, handgun that comes in your survival kit is not for fighting on land. It's for suicide if you're stranded and you're, like, starving to death, whatever. You have a choice. And I thought, what a waste of his gun uh, when here's another stranded person yeah uh but then he drops his gun so we don't have to think about that for too long no and the gun never shows up again nope even though jerry could have gone under the water and gotten it well jerry didn't know what made the splash right he could have swum he could have explored and said oh there's something shiny down there but he doesn't so whatever uh but and then it starts raining and Will pulls a knife just out of his pocket. Yeah, like a straight un a straight knife, not a retractable knife, not in a sheath, just in his pocket. And, and I, it's like longer. It's longer than, than his, his pocket. pocket. Yeah, it would not have fit <laughs> in his pocket. If it was all the way inserted in his pocket, it would have gone past his knee. Yeah. So um Sci-fi magic. Yeah, sci-fi magic. Matt was, <laughs> I was like, oh, that knife's bigger than his pocket. Matt goes, he has really big pockets. And I was like, well, no, his pocket's not that big. And it's like non-dimensional space. <laughs> so, so there if you, you want go. me to speculate on the physics of that, I can do that for hours. Yeah, it's non-dimensional space pocket like an ultraviolet. He can put an infinite amount of stuff in that pocket. It's like a pocket of holding. There you go. Yeah, except he only has a knife in it. Yeah. It was, uh, Which it says a lot that the human fighters didn't have an eject. They couldn't eject a safe pod. And not only that, but... I was thinking the, the same thing. I kept waiting for them, for to, them eject. to eject. 
And then the, well, he says, let's punch out, but then they don't do it. I think they don't do it because he would have abandoned his buddy if he did it. Cause the other guy couldn't pull his own ejection stuff. But that's true. even if they did have an ejection pod, the Drac fighters ejection pod includes food, food, rations, stuff needed for survival Shelter. until you get saved. Whereas the humans were, it was mostly like, well, save yourself if you can. But best of luck otherwise. Right. We're we're gonna fill your ship with rocket fuel, engines, and guns. And goats. Go. <laughs> it's fine. You'll figure it out for eat bullets. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Drink rocket fuel. Drink rocket fuel. <laughs> it's enough rocket fuel to keep you alive for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's just and, and then um Jerry is sure that it's going to get rescued. And Davidge is like, no, there's a war on. They're not coming back for us. So Davidge is immediately accustomed to the idea of being disposable. Right. And Jerry is very much used to being important, individually important and worth saving. Right. And so it's a very interesting cultural dynamic we immediately set because Davidge has nothing. He has a friend he buried in the rocks. He has a ship that exploded. He's got a knife and a gun. That's it. And he sets off after Jerry. And Jerry has... Everything it needs. It's <laughs> but despite the fact that it landed next to a freshwater pond, um, it's completely comfortable with the idea that eventually someone's going to come and get it, which nobody, no one does, but it expects to. Right. It's just possible no one knew where it went. Right. And if he, they may have gone and found the pod. Yeah. There may have been a transponder on there and been but like, they, uh, like, man. We spent like a week looking around here. Yeah. And we can't find we can't find them. We don't know where he went. Right. But we had to and we, we had to abandon the pod almost immediately. Went. So Right, because of the meteor showers. Yeah. Um, so there's probably just like a band of debris in that intersects with the orbit of yeah. this planet. And so probably like every few months it crosses the orbit and gets spattered with meteors. Yeah. Which is probably why it looks like a hellscape. Yeah. Because every few months it just gets pat like pounded. Pelted yeah. with uh flaming meteors. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of flaming meteors. Yeah. <laughs> so it rains. It rains, he pulls the knife out, and then uh the drac goes in the water. Yeah. So Will climbs down and he sees the direct gun propped up. Well, no. Oh, yeah. And so he's like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Uh, but first, he gets a, like, I don't know, beaker, a canister of, yeah. it's like these bulbs. Yeah, everything the drag has is bulb shaped. And so he goes back up and pours the bulb of rocket fuel onto the pond and lights it. With his handy laser pen that he also had in his pocket. Yeah, it's a non-dimensional space pocket. Yeah. Handy for lighting fires, at yeah. least. And while the fire is burning, he sneaks back down and he's like, the drac comes back out of the water and he's like, I got you, <laughs> you sucker. <laughs> and then he goes to grab the gun and he gets electrocuted because... He it's doesn't know how to use the gun. No, it was a trap. 
Remember, um, Jerry walks over and turns on that one orb and then leans his gun on the orb. Oh, okay. And I then thought, jumps in the water. I thought he, he heard the splash and he was like, uh, was there something there? And then kind of looked, listened and looked around. Uh, nothing. No. I just heard something. It was a like, a, I'll draw it out. If this is a human, they'll go for it's the gun. It's probably both. Humans like guns. Humans like guns. We know so that. I should be able to put this gun out, and then they'll they'll just go over and get it because they won't be able to help themselves. <laughs> Irresistible bait. Irresistible, but it, it works. Yeah. It works because, yeah, Will, Will is immediately like, oh, yeah, I'm about to get me a drag gun. Green lightning. Which is the most sci-fi looking gun. It is. Ever. Yeah. Ever. It's like a series of gradiated orbs yeah, down to a point. And every time it fires, light goes down the orbs and it shoots out the head. It's like a 1950s laser pistol. Yeah, like a Roy Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it works. Yeah, it, it implies the non-human advanced technology. Yeah. Anyway, so the drac comes up out of the water and... Uh, fine and then we cut to it's totally not bo- it's totally not bothered by the rocket fuel he's like i see you lit the water on fire <laughs> the uh, top of the water the on top fire, of the water on but fire. i can hang out underneath yeah i, I ain't bothered <laughs> so it just walks out of the water and knocks him off because will is stuck to the ship being electrocuted and then when will wakes up he's tied up uh we cut to davidge is well Will yeah. is tied up pretty cleanly and effectively. Yeah. Um, leaning, propped up against the ship. With more and, rope from his non-dimensional pocket, because it's straight up paracord. Well, I figured this was from uh, the drac supplies. Yeah, it looks like paracord. It, well, there's not that many ways to Make a rope. weave a rope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could. they could have, like... Spray painted it reflective silver or something. Yeah, it's fine. Made it out of orbs. <laughs> like everything else is made out of orbs. <laughs> <laughs> that chain that you have on um, ceiling fans. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Use that as your rope. <laughs> oh, God, that'd be horrible. You couldn't get out of that. No, it would all bind together. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to untie knots. Oh, God. All right. That was a, that, that may be a technological improvement that was for, a horrifying for restraints. <laughs> you don't even have to tie a knot. You just have to do the little thing at the end where you slip the end ball in. Yeah, click. Click. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect. There you go. Just put a locking mechanism on that. We've just created the superior, <laughs> superior <laughs> way of tying people up. I don't know how I feel about that. So then the drac is uh, just kind of chatting Eating. To itself it's and eating, eating yeah. and hopping around and whatever, just yeah, and Will doing is doing its thing. <laughs> I thought this was real bold because Will is like, "Well, I'm real hungry. You should feed me." Hey, Drac, I'm hungry. Hungry. You understand that? Hungry, huh? Uh. Like. He didn't just light the top of the pond on fire and try to get its gun to kill it. Right. Yeah. Uh, But from a certain perspective, it kind of makes sense because 
humanity uh, historically has had a set of rules for a different sets of rules for what you do between two combatants or two groups of combatants and what one group of combatants can do or is allowed to do with captured enemies. Yeah. And once you've captured the enemy, you're expected to treat them at least minimally um, humanely. From Will's perspective, maybe. Yeah, from Will's perspective. So from Will's, like, history of humanity, oh, the Geneva Convention is something that pretty much everybody agrees to, except for a few. Theoretically, Will is used to a world at peace. Right, but even if he'd, like, studied the history of war amongst humanity. I think he's just an entitled asshole. Well, yeah, but I'm I'm trying to give him some plausibility for why he would reasonably expect to be fed after he was captured. Yeah. And I want that explanation to be a little bit more nuanced than he's an entitled asshole. Well, he just starts going, I would like something because Jerry is eating these little green globes. Yeah. And Will's like, well, I'm real hungry, too. And <laughs> Jerry, well, we don't know it's Jerry, but it looks over. And Will is like, I'll call it. It's like eating motions because they don't speak the same language. Right. And so it, it feeds him that nasty slug. It's like, here, it shoves it. Yeah, he, poke, he stabs a slug with a stick and then holds it above Will's mouth. <laughs> and Will, still just full of spite, his entire trek. Since he since since he engaged with the Drac fighters, yeah. he has just been filled with this rage yeah. to destroy the enemy, to not lose to the enemy. Yeah. And that fire's still going. Yeah. And so the Drac is just kind of more taunting him, I think. I think the Drac doesn't expect I don't think I don't think Jerry expects Will to eat the slug. Yeah. Uh, but he underestimated Will. <laughs> Will eats the fucking slug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's right around this scene that they start calling each other Davidge and Jerry. Yeah, they introduce because he's calling him Toad Face or Fry. He's calling right. him insulting words, and so. The Drac comes over and says its name, which Jerry's full name is Jeriba Shigan. But the only part of it that Dennis gets is Jerry. And so uh, Davidge starts calling the Drac Jerry. And he tells the Drac his full name is Willis. Willis E. Davidge. Willis E. Davidge. And so Jerry calls him Dawich. Yes. Dawich. Yeah, because they don't have human mouth parts, really. Right, so it's, we don't, it's close. It's close. Um, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's our first step into what is going to be the most meaningful plot in this entire movie. Right, we're, we're, we're quickly moving through the, the uh, front material. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going through the front material... Much slower 
then we go through the end material. Right. Because this movie was about one thing, and that was about- And that's the middle. The Im- and the middle of this movie is 90% of the movie. Right. And the first 9% is the opening, and the last 1% is the wrap-up. <laughs> the point of this movie is that these two creatures, these two individuals, have hated each other, but they have never actually met each other. Right. And Neither so they, of them had met a, an Earth a member man. of the other species. Yeah. So they hate something they didn't know because they didn't understand it. And so once they actually come to an understanding of each other, once they actually meet each other, it's impossible to be enemies anymore. And that's the whole point of the movie is that you can only hate something you don't understand. And once you make right. the effort to understand something, you can't help but love it. Right. All right, so he rage eats the slug. Yeah, he does. He like <laughs> they even they even captioned it as wretch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he is. He's like he's got this rage face. And he's just chewing like fuck you. I'm gonna eat this slug, and then we fade to black. Yeah, and uh, and then I think Davidge wakes up, and Jerry's asleep. Yeah, and. Uh, meteors start falling. Mm-hmm. So Davidge starts making a bunch of noise to get Jerry's attention and uh, yelling at him to cut him, cut him loose because he's still hogtied. Yeah. And uh, Jerry's kind of stumbling around, uh, but ends up cutting his bonds a little bit yeah. so that he can, they can both get into this little cave next to the pond. And... Uh, they they do a good job of conveying that, conveying the struggle yeah. of Davidge communicating to Jerry what the situation is from his perspective, yeah, and what they need to do, right? Because they don't they don't share a common language at all, right? And so they manage to get in there, and Jerry can sleep anywhere. No matter where they are, Jerry falls asleep. So they, they're they laying in this cave. Meteors are falling. And Jerry falls asleep because, well, because <laughs> I put a note in there, but I don't know if I want to spoil it this early. But Dennis Quaid gets up and realizes that Jerry is asleep and that he could have, he uses the sharp rocks oh, to yeah, freeze the, hands. He uses the sharp rocks to freeze hands. And then the knife that Jerry used to cut the connection between his hands and his feet is right by Jerry's head. Yeah. And so he has the knife and he like holds it up against Jerry. And then he's like, nah, nah, uh, I'll just go out here. I'm more hungry than I am bloodthirsty right now. So he goes out and grabs some of the green jello. Yeah. The green like Knox blocks things yeah. that which I've read a couple sci-fi series where the while they're in space they grow algae for food and they it's like it's either algae or some kind of mushroom or both and then they shape that into some facsimile of regular food yeah. Um, but these are just little, they look like little algae balls. Um, and they're probably pretty nutritious. Theoretically. They, theoretically, they're nutritious they're for rations. a drac. Yeah. 
maybe not a human. He doesn't think they taste good, but he's about to eat a second one when Jerry pops out. Which, one of the novel alien features that I really liked was in Mass Effect. You have all these different alien races, and some of them... Okay, back up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, organic chemistry. Yeah. When complex carbohydrates form, they can form in like mirror versions of each other because they're asymmetric molecules. And so the um, chemist or biologist use a term called chirality to say, is this molecule a left-hand version or a right-hand version? And, um, and our biology can only process carbohydrate, like complex molecules that are of the same chirality as our as our biology uh, like chemically produce sugar yeah and then you put yeast in in like the water sugar mix the yeast can only eat the right hand chirality sugar so then after the yeast have consumed all the sugar they can consume and they all die off you'll still have water with half of the original amount of sugar Mm -hmm. because the yeast can't do anything with it. Right. It's biologically inert. Gotcha. And so in Mass Effect, some of the alien races are biologically like right-handed chiral, uh, and then other races are left-handed chiral. So they can't eat the same food. Mm. So, um, okay, so the, the sugar thing, if you... If you just chemically produce sugar, you get an even mix of left hand and right hand molecules. But if you take like sugar cane and extract the sugar, it's going to be all right hand chiral sugar molecules. And so if if you're an alien that is right hand chiral like humans, uh, and you f- you find an animal that is left handed chiral biologically and you try to eat it most of the stuff there is going to be biologically inert yeah and so it's lucky that (laughs) (laughs) these two aliens uh are biologically the same direction yeah and they're on a planet that has life that is biologically the same direction well, a lot of people would find the introduction of organic chemistry to a sci-fi universe to be <laughs> overly complex and a major turnoff. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. It works well in a very long-form video game. Yeah. Because you can explain the backstory. Yeah, for the type of people that really enjoy the science. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Matthew. <laughs> I thought, oh, he doesn't think they taste good, but he still ate them. And then Jerry shows up, and Jerry's like, the fuck you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I love Davidge's defense, which is, I could have killed you, and I didn't, and that kind of makes us friends. Hey. Which is most human relationships. I am actively not killing you right now, so we're probably at least on good right, terms. This was, so in there... 
in their relationship so far, Davidge has been vulnerable yeah. to Jerry. Yeah. And Jerry chose not to kill Davidge. Yeah. He just tied him up. And then he actually fed him. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. And then Jerry was vulnerable to Davidge, and Davidge chose not to kill him. Yeah. So now they've both taken overt actions to not hurt the other one when they had an opportunity to do so. Yes. So they've both kind of communicated to each other non-verbally that I'm okay with you being alive. Yeah. And that's that's the first step <laughs> in in a relationship that can grow into I'm a okay beautiful flower. With the fact that you exist. It's <laughs> <laughs> a ba- bare baseline. minimum. Baseline. You can only go up from here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Davidge convinces Jerry that they need to GTFO and get somewhere with some cover because these meteor showers may happen again and neither of them have any idea of the frequency of yeah. these meteor showers. Although looking around, you can probably get a sense of the frequency yeah. of the meteor showers. Yeah, which is I think what Davidge is leaning on, which is um we need to prep because this happens often enough that like major life has not been able to evolve on this planet. Right. So they end up he he mentions that they need to get up into the forest. Yeah. Which I guess it looks like there's a thing that's like the analog of a tree. Yeah. In this alien biome. He passed biome. through it on the way to get oh, to okay. Jerry. Because that's where we first saw the sucker tentacle monster and the bug. In the woods. The bug turtle. So it's I'm wondering if, if more complex life had developed on this planet. But then, like, a planet broke up or a moon broke up or something in around this orbit. And so now it's been, like, you know, the past few thousand years, whatever, or a few hundred years, it's been regularly showered Because these meteors. trees are all dead. Right. Yeah. So at one time These trees are trees all dead. They're all at dead. most, like, 20 feet tall. Yeah, and there's nothing living which it's another bold choice to not go explore the obvious mountain range for ca- for caves, but instead go to the forest full of large standing dead trees and expect that to be better coverage. <laughs> Don't they refer to those? Well, there's as building materials. Widowmakers? Yes. Yeah. Well. It almost makes one of them a widow. Yeah, the other one can't be a widow. <laughs> uh yeah it's just a bull i always thought it was an interesting choice i think it's the most expedient choice it's right there right and yeah there's there's resources there right there's there's branches and rocks loose rocks and things and things to eat and life yeah yeah that's probably the biggest thing for for them long term is they need a source of nutrients uh so jerry conveys that it agrees um, with the plan, and and then uh, Davidge gets to pack mule. 
yeah. all the supplies <laughs> while Jerry walks behind him. Yeah, Jerry's like, great, good idea. You carry all the shit. <laughs> One trip for life. <laughs> <laughs> and so then we get this kind of montage with a voiceover. And uh, Davidge is being insensitive, culturally insensitive yeah. um, about Jerry learning English and him learning Drac yeah. and whatever while he's building this structure. I learned a couple phrases in its crude lingo. Right. Yeah. As he's <laughs> trying to build this structure out of dead dead trees and rocks. Yeah. And yeah. so then we get to learn how much English uh, Jerry has learned. Of course, the drac was picking up a few words of English, too. Shit. Shit. What do you mean, shit? No, solid. Right, which, how realistic is it that during a construction project, the only English that Jerry has learned are cuss words? I think that's totally realistic. Totally realistic, because... Uh, Davidge gets all done. He stands back and Jerry's like, it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Davidge, after a couple exchanges, Davidge goes over and kicks the walls of the structure. Yeah, it's solid. Says, See, it's solid. And he goes back and then they both just watch it, the whole thing fall over. Yeah. And I thought that it would have been perfect for Davidge to go, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jerry could say, see? <laughs> it's shit. <laughs> All right. So then we get a montage of Jerry learning more English. And I thought this was convenient that they both basically have the same body shape. Yeah. The initial voiceover said... The Drax were inhuman aliens, whatever. Yeah. And I saw them, and I was like, well, that's pretty fucking humanoid. Yeah. It's pretty close. There's a little tail, and they only have three digits yeah. on their hands, and their teeth are a little different, right? That, that's most of the outward yeah. uh, physical appearance. Jerry is kind of just experimenting with the English language. Yeah. Uh, because Jerry has finally learned enough to like make sentences, yeah, and convey some more complicated ideas, and so they finally have a real conversation. And we don't know how much time has passed. We just know by the end of it, it's been like three, three th years. Yeah. Hi. This is my left foot. This is my right foot, and this, I'm both my feet. Yeah, great. Yeah, great. This is my head. That is your ugly head. No, no. This is my head. That is your head. You ugly head. <laughs> this is my left foot. This yeah. is my right foot. Left <laughs> foot. Right foot. <laughs> so uh, Davidge says, Okay, you know the old saying, 
If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Dawis, you learned this from great drag teacher Chisma. No, from Mickey Mouse. Uh who? Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is this great Eggman teacher. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> Which <laughs> is the setup for a really funny line later. She's <laughs> like, you mean shit, Mar? Yeah. <laughs> he never pronounces it correctly. Yeah. It's like he, my mom trying to say it. Like he he the best he ever gets is shishmat. Yeah. <laughs> but he's trying to rile Jerry up. Yeah. And that's why he calls him Shitmar. Yeah. And uh because they've they keep getting into arguments because they really still are just mildly okay with each other existing. We don't really right. have a relationship yet. And so he's insulting Shishmar and Dennis Quaid is calling him Shitmar. And Jerry says, yeah, well, your Mickey Mouse is a big dope. Dope. He calls Mickey Mouse a dope. Yeah. And Davich is like. Well, that's later, isn't it? It's right about now. Yeah. I think we have. Because Davich is trying to make it so that they can survive on this planet. Right. He's trying to get a shelter because he knows the meteor storm is probably coming again. Yeah. He's trying to establish food, shelter, safety yeah. right off the bat so that they can survive. And Jerry is mostly meditating. Um, and reading his book. Yeah. And reading his book and reading its book and then meditating on the stuff mm. it read in its book. And Davich is like, why are you so lazy? You never get up. You don't do anything. And Jerry's like, I'm doing something. I'm, I'm thinking. Thinking real, real hard. <laughs> <laughs> because cause the middle section of this movie, it's really difficult to just explain it. Because so much is so much nuanced them just learning about each other and then slowly growing to respect each other. Right. And it's not without its pitfalls, which is nice, because if it was a smooth transition from enemies to best friends, uh, it wouldn't be believable. Right. And so they have quite a few meaningful moments, usually initiated by Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because finally he asks them about the book. Asks Jerry about the well, book. Well, okay, so the the first real bonding moment that they have that, like, this is more than just us tolerating each other while we are trying to survive on this planet is Davidge goes off to um, hunt. Yeah. Hunt, hunt some turtle bugs and uh, falls into the sand pit yeah. with the sand pit creature in it. And he's like, well, geez, this is hard to get out of. And then the tentacle comes up and he's like, well, shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so it grabs his leg and starts pulling him down. And he's yelling for Jerry. And Jerry comes and saves him. And this is definitely not the scene from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> with, with Han and the uh, blaster. Yeah. This is Jerry and the... This is uh, not a Sarlacc pit. 
So it yeah. can't be it's that not the scene. Starlight pit. It's fine. But this is there. Oh, you saved me. And then he right. doctors him up. You saved my life. Why? Maybe I need to look at another face. Even as ugly as yours. So you still yep. think you and cauterizes the yeah, slashes on his legs. The wound is really nasty, considering it's just like teeth on a stick. Right, but it was like sliding around. Yeah, it had grabbed him, and then it was pulling, and he was holding, so it was right. pulling on his skin, yeah. and it like skinned part of his leg. Yeah, gross. Yeah. Um, but then we end up having this conversation about... Um, you know, Shishmar teaches that intelligent life takes a stand. Yeah. And then they, they have a little banter, um, a little bit malicious banter. I like They're that, trying to hurt each the other's intelligence life. Intelligent life takes a stand. I really, really liked that sentiment. Yeah. And Davidge is not here for it right now. He does not want to be philosophized at right now. <laughs> he wants a roof over his head. He wants a fucking roof over his head and he wants help doing it. And Jerry's like, okay, well, I'm going to provide moral support. <laughs> Which we find out why later. Yeah. Yeah. And so they kind of insult each other's. Um, great teachers. Great, yeah. Great teachers. <laughs> and so uh, Jerry calls Mickey Mouse like a big stupid dope. Yeah. And Dennis Quaid. Just kind of like holds it in, like don't laugh, don't laugh, don't laugh. But he's still like chuckling to himself, yeah, and walks off screen. And Rachel said that um, Dennis Quaid cracked up at that line every, every time. single time. So they finally just went with the one where he didn't laugh out loud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the least like emotive. Yeah, one. which I think is really funny. Yeah, which. They do a really good job setting up this joke. Um, so then Davidge is like, like, okay. I'm, oh, um, they're talking about the book and, and they're having a moment about this book where yeah. Davidge is genuinely curious about Jerry and the, what, what a, what is, up what is this, this thing? Yeah. It's important to you. So I'm curious about it. Because implying you're important to me. Yeah. So the things that are important to you are important to me. And so. But he doesn't quite know how to ask. Right. Yeah. And so Jerry's kind of like, oh, it's, you know, book of Shishmar. It's like, oh, can you teach me? No. It's too good for you. So teach me the drag language. It is not for you, Dafitsch. Oh, Shizmat is too good for us humans, is that it? Not too good for humans, but too good for you. Oh, now you're a judge of character. Do you not remember what you say about Shizmat? You know, maybe you forgot what you said about Mickey Mouse. That was wrong. I, I did not mean it. Jerry's like, well, uh, I didn't mean what I said about Mickey Mouse. I apologize. <laughs> and David says, well, I didn't mean what I said about Shishmat either. <laughs> <laughs> and 
another bonding moment. And then uh, Jerry gives gives Davidge the book. Yeah. And he's like, what? Like, and Davidge is like, you "You can't give give me the book. Yeah. Uh, He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, now you are the pupil and I am the master. And he kind of gets a little smirk. Yeah. but he's like, the, I'm not, he basically says, I'm not qualified for this, but there's nobody else around to teach you. Yeah. We have this whole montage of Davidge learning the Drac language and the teaching of, of Shishmar and um, ends with this cool scene. Ulvo da Lubo. Translate. If... One receives evil from another. Let one not do evil in return. Rather, let him extend love to the enemy, that love might unite them. I've heard all this before in the human Talmud. Of course you have truth. Is truth. We get Jerry singing lines from the teachings of Shishmar and Davidge just kind of watching and you can see like tears forming in his eyes. Because like it, I hated these people and I had absolutely no idea that they had this amount of beauty in their culture. Right. Yeah. And so this is like the real turning point for Davidge um, because he's... Hate cannot survive understanding. Understanding. Yeah. Yeah. In the middle of him singing, we get the meteor shower. And they have to get back. And Davidge just had this spiritual moment, really, where he realized what he had done. That he had killed legitimate individuals who were not worthy of the amount of hate and rage that he felt towards them. And he really can't process it. So he flips out and attacks Jerry. Or they attack each other, really. Yeah. As these meteors are falling. And they finally confront each other about why they were in the situation in the first place. Right. Which is, from the human's perspective, they legally annexed this system. Right. This Space is the wild frontier. And... Amongst humans, in the human society, they said, oh, this is... Uh, Manifest fucking destiny. It's free real estate. I get to go out there and is, I, I am owed space. Yep. Yeah. This is not claimed by other humans, so now this is mine. Right. Even though there's already people there. Right. And the Drac were like, no, we, we're already here. And so that's what Jerry tells him is, no, we were already here. And... That's when Davich is like, you know, you were at this system that we had legally claimed. I mean, we own it now, so you've got to get out. That's why we're trying to get you out. And Davich says, you know, we've settled twice as much of the galaxy as you guys have. And Jerry's like, of course you have. You're a fucking disease. (laughs) You spread like the plague. (laughs) And um, they stop choking each other just as the meteor shower ends. And then Davidge is like, they don't really say they're sorry. Right. But Davidge says, we can't 
I think he's Jerry. I think we're going crazy. Yeah. I I think we need to get moving. The only thing that's going to solve this is movement, which is a very human sentiment. Yeah. And so, uh, let's see. But Jerry can't, won't go with him. So they end up parting. Oh, come on, Jerry. You're just being stubborn. Oh, I am not just being stubborn. And this is kind of a sweet moment because Jerry is actually crying because Davich is leaving. Yeah. and Because then they're both going to be alone. Right. And Jerry says, well, what happens if you die out there? And then, and so Davich says. What happens if you find nothing? You find nothing and you die. And Davich says, well, then I guess we both die alone. Because he doesn't want to hurt his friend anymore. And he's not sure if he can stay and not hurt his friend. Right. Plus, he's been having dreams of hearing a ship go over. And he still hears it right after he wakes up. Yeah, so he wants to find out what it is. And we've established Jerry is a heavy sleeper. Yeah. So it would make sense that if there's some noise of a ship actually passing over, that Davidge, if if it wakes up Davidge, it probably wouldn't wake up Jerry. Right. So... David just like I I need to go find this ship from my dream. Yeah. Uh, because it could be like our salvation. Like this could save us. Yeah. And so he gets his bow and whatever and heads off and uh he does find a ship. Yeah. But yep. it's not what he was hoping it would be. Well, he doesn't find the ship. He finds evidence. The yeah, the he finds debris a left Pepsi behind. Can. <laughs> he finds a Pepsi can. <laughs> and I thought, oh, it's a trash dump. Yeah. Uh, or like a campsite. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. It's like, oh, some humans like just settled down here and like camped for a little while right, and, and then just left, left all their behind. shit. <laughs> left yeah. all their trash behind. Um but then he notices uh core samples, like uh, drilling tubes yeah and he's like ah oh, it's scavengers yeah and then there's a pile of trash and he starts digging through it just to probably just to see if there's anything useful and he finds a drac skull yeah and he's like oh man i forgot about this part or you know i i had kind of sequestered that part away yeah of my memories while hanging out with jerry which is yeah these scavengers he uses the he uses a word for it, but they they basically scour planets. They yeah. strip mine planets for resources and they use the drac as slave labor. Yep. And the general human groups are okay with that because we don't like drac anyway. Right. So So it's kind of condoned yeah. slavery. And so confronting this again with the knowledge that he has now, which is that this they are the bad guys. That yeah, the, humans are the bad guys. Humans are the bad guys in this. He's not the good guy. He thought he was the good guy in this narrative, and he's not. And he, this is his moment where he finally confronts that knowledge. That they have condoned something that has harmed other people, and that that's never okay. And so then he goes back to Jerry. Because... That that's not salvation for anybody. Right. Yeah. Uh, Davidge joining the slavers. Yeah. 
isn't going to do much for Davidge. No. Uh, and there's no way that he could bring Jerry along. No. So he goes back and he doesn't even say, I'm sorry. No. Yeah. Davidge. How cold do you think it's going to get? I don't know. I guess we find out. <laughs> I will find out. Because it's snowing. It's cold. It's like winter. I think this this is Davidge um, apologizing as well as Davidge can. Right. Um, when Jerry says, how cold do you think it's going to get? He says, we will find out. Yeah. And him saying it as we is him conveying that I'm staying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very much a toxically fragile masculine man really trying to undo a lot of his programming to become no longer a practicing racist specious. Specious, yeah. And really come to terms with the fact that everything that he has been taught his entire life is wrong. And how do I how do I be who I am in this new reality? And so he's just doing his best, which is, I mean, he's doing a good job, but he's just doing his best. <laughs> and then uh, Jerry reveals. Why that Jerry is pregnant? Why it couldn't help? Why it couldn't go? Why it's been so? He says, "I'm." It says, "I'm not lazy. I'm not, not helping." Oh, he says, "I couldn't go with you because it's not just my life that matters now." Right, because Jerry is pregnant. There's a baby, and I love Davidge's reaction. He's like, "Don't look at me. I didn't do it." <laughs> he just laughs. Yeah, he's laughing. Partly because he's it's disbelief. surprised. It's just utter disbelief. But also, I think he's probably a little like excited about the yeah um, the idea his the friend, idea yeah. of his best friend is going to have a baby yeah. And I think Jerry is really confused. I think <laughs> so. Most of the time when Davidge is laughing, it's um. I don't think this is the best word, but condescending. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's funny because it's stupid. Yeah. Or it's funny because right? I'm laughing at you. Right. Yeah. And I, so I think Jerry feels like Davidge is laughing at him. Uh, yeah. And Davidge also doesn't understand the cultural significance of pregnancy in a world that does not have genders. 
Right. Yeah. What, that does not have a, uh, sexual reproduction. Yeah. Like one of the things I was thinking about after Jerry kind of explains how their their lineage works. Yeah. Like each drac, I don't know, do they have multiple children? Uh, they have to have multiple children it, it, to grow as a species. It doesn't say. It just says you don't have a choice. It happens right. when the time is right. Right. But you just to replace like accidental deaths and things. Yeah. Um, Probably throughout your lifespan, you just have. Boom. Time for a baby. Yeah. And periodic. Then years later. Boom. Time for another baby. Pregnancies. Yeah. Um, Maybe so, triggered by times of stress too. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking the the impact of killing the drac fighters. Yeah. The significance to the lineage of each member is infinitely higher. Yeah. Cuz like if you talk about like my family You're literally ending a family line. Yeah, you're ending you're ending an entire family line when you destroy that ship. Yeah. And like wow. Wow. Yeah, which is why Jerry is used to being important. Right, because every drac is important. Well, not that every human is well, important, but... It's yes. much more culturally overt. It's very much like the corporation person. rim in, yeah. um, in Murderbot, where people are a resource, a yes. infinitely renewable resource, and not an individual, a sovereign individual. Whereas the drac are used to being sovereign individuals. In fact, in order to be included in the society of drac, you have to be presented before the council and accepted into the society. Right. And you have to recite your lineage. You have to recite your lineage. And so each individual drac is infinitely more important. It can, is culturally considered infinitely more important. And socially recognized. Yeah. Because they are so... Because everything is a straight line and because they can't be like, I think I'm going to have 12 children. They, it's not a choice. Jerry right. is only pregnant because this was the time when Jerry got Jerry's pregnant. body decided, yeah. now's the time. Which it could definitely be a reaction to stress because then in times when there's stress, you produce more children. Right. In times of limited resources. You would produce, you produce more. more children. Yeah. yeah. Or in times of like conflict. Stressful right, and, conflict. And any kind of you would replace more than replacement value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we kind of get uh, some more montage of them, um, just being living together and like progressing in the pregnancy. Yeah, and there's a cute scene where Jerry's like sewing Swing and singing to itself, <laughs> and then it holds up the little pants. <laughs> And so I thought he was trying to say jammies. Oh. Like pajamas. Yeah. Um and it may have like, been a no. play. It may have been a play on the word jammies. Yeah. Because his his its offspring's name is Zamis. 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 Yeah. And it's because they they reuse names in rotation. Yeah, and he said there's five family names. Five, five family names that you use in order. Shigan names. Or Jeriba names. Jeriba names. Jeriba names. Yeah. So he's Shigan, so his its offspring has to be zombies. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
And so then they're sleeping, and we see the corner of the their little hut. The ground starts sloping in, yeah. and a tentacle comes out. <laughs> the tentacle grabs Jerry and starts pulling him. And in contrast to all of our other experiences with Davidge's sleeping, he just ignores the noise and rolls over. Yeah. Um, but that, and Jerry can't make much noise because it got by the throat. Yeah. And so Davidge finally wakes up, um, and the, the thing, like the underground part of it actually comes out and it just has its mouth open and Davidge scoops up their whole like fire and throws it in its mouth. Yeah. Throws it in the creature's mouth with his bare hands. To save Jerry. To save Jerry. Yeah. He literally stuck his hands in fire to save Jerry. Yeah. And so they get out of the hut and there's a storm going. Like a snowstorm. And the tree trunks start falling. And one of the tree trunks crushes the hut. Yeah. So they got to get out of there. And so Jerry's really struggling. Uh, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's like super pregnant. Jerry's super pregnant. And Davidge just talks Jerry through it. And yeah, tell me about it. Why yeah. zombies? Why why did you choose zombies? He just yeah. gets him talk gets um Jerry, Jerry talking, talking until it like it gets distracted enough that it can push through the the physical discomfort of the cold and just got right the, the trauma out. of the moment yeah yeah and so they find a cave and so they they kind of settle down in the cave but Jerry's not looking good no and so and Jerry knows that Jerry is not in a good state. Right. And I love Davidge says, let's open a restaurant here. Yeah. (laughs) I can ruin the food. You can scare away the customers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, let's start a life together, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so then Jerry is like, let's talk about the lineage. Yeah. I think you need to learn my family line. Yeah. And Davich is like, what? No, I'm not going to learn your family line. That's ridiculous. And Jerry's like, this is an honor that I'm offering you right now. I need you to head in the game, Davich. <laughs> so Davich is like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that. Was <laughs> <And> <laughs> sorry, I, I was just you, yeah, doing my just normal off banter the fly stuff. Having a, a sarcastic reaction. I didn't realize the the depth of. The, I didn't realize the gravity of the situation. Yeah, and so. Um, Jerry's like, well, in return, I'll learn your family line. It learns his parents and grandparents' name, and it repeats it. And Davich is like, well, when you say it like that, it sounds kind of thin. And Well, it is thin. It is thin, but it's it's yours. That's okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you make it sound pretty thin. <laughs> it is thin. But I am... Honored that you entrusted it to me. My own lineage is very rich, Darwich. Learned it from me. Allow me to do you this honor. 
And then we get, I think, more um, Dennis Quaid voiceover here, and he's talking about how um, Jerry wanted to... It, it kind of sounded like Jerry wanted me to learn this stupid lineage. Uh, like an so, old married couple. Yeah. But it was important so, so, to Jerry, so I figured so I'd do it. So I did it, it and yeah. I would sing it, its lineage. Um, but in an endearing way. Yeah. yeah. Like a, all right, Jerry, for you. I'll learn it. Yeah. Yeah. All 170 generations. I'm, I'm very familiar with <laughs> this mode of communication. Shut up. <laughs> hey, Matt, do you want to go do this? I sat through a, a lecture on organic chemistry 45 minutes ago, so I don't even want to hear any kind of complaint about me making you do anything. <laughs> well, you typically say, hey, Matt, do you want to go, like, get a drink out of whatever like no i don't want to but i will for (laughs) you but i will for you (laughs) (laughs) and then jerry explains the cultural significance of the lineage yeah as he's kind of realizing that he's he's right at the end yeah um like after after davidge has learned the lineage and sung it back like so many times jerry is sure that davidge will never forget it yeah um jerry's like okay i'm i'm going soon like this is the end um davidge uh like, you're gonna have to do this like you're gonna have to take you zombies. learned the lineage yeah you're going to have to take zombies to dracon and stand before Stand beside him before the Holy Council and recite the Jabira line, Jariba line, and uh, so that Zamis can be a real drac. Drac. And and you have to cut me open here. What's wrong? Zamis is coming. Oh, God. God. What do I do? I don't know. Something is wrong. Oh, no. No, no. No, no, no. No, you're going to be all right. The women always get nervous before labor. I am not a woman. Well, but pregnant people, the things... Yeah. Oh, and you're gonna have to cut him out of me. Yes. It out cut. of me. Yeah. You're and have to cut it out of me. You're gonna have to cut it out of me. And Davich is like, "What? No. What? No. No. <laughs> you're gonna be fine. This is gonna be fine. Every expectant mother gets nervous right before, right during every, labor. Every woman, every woman gets nervous during labor. I'm no woman. <laughs> it's like, don't insult me by giving me a gender. I am not binary, bro. But then Jerry kind of makes it easier. Uh, by just dying. Yeah. And it's sad. After after Davich uh, promises yeah. that he will take care of zombies and he will take it before the council, then Jerry's like, okay, I can I can go. Yep. And then Davich literally tears open his stomach, its stomach. I'm I'm guessing that would be the place the baby normally comes out. But things weren't working right. 
Or it's a seam. There's a seam yeah. there or something. I don't know. So they it um Davidge actually pulls zombies out yes. of Jerry's body. Yeah. And then there's montage of zombies growing up. Very creepy yeah. puppets. Yeah, the puppets are a little Yeah, the baby baby zombies and like toddler zombies. It's kinda like uh... They hide it in his beard a lot. So you don't have to <laughs> yeah. experience too much of it because it's, it's a little odd. But I love Davich's line about how you taught me 170 generations of Drak, of the Jeriba line. You taught me the Drak language. You taught me all this other shit, but you didn't tell me anything about how to take care of a baby Drak. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly how every parent feels taking their kid home. Like, why do I know all this random shit about all this other stuff, but nobody told me anything about, like, how to get it to go to sleep? <laughs> right. And how to feed it. And Yeah, so then we get, um, like, big enough zombies that um, it can be a kid in a costume. Yeah. It's a well-done costume, too. Yeah. yeah. I was oh, yeah. impressed. Yeah, all the makeup in this movie is fabulous. And so zombies calls Davidge uncle, and... I liked that. I liked that he wasn't like dad or he was uncle. Right. I like that. And uh, he's, it seems like he's taught Zamis mostly English, but it's kind of like Spanglish. Yeah. It's where he's just throwing dra- in it's phrases. Draclish. Yeah. Draclish. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which I think it may be because Dennis Quaid would like Zamis to learn the language from a native speaker. Because can you imagine... Right, and he's he's probably conversant in drag, but not fluent in drag. Yeah. So there's probably a lot of really Well, he's got to be fluent because he can do all... The, he can read the book and stuff. But I... He, but and like conversationally... He can't reproduce all of the sounds. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I told her... I, uh, I said, Zamis is going to be that kid... That has the really weird accent. Right, because he would have learned Drac from a human who learned Drac from a Drac. So it would have been yeah. secondhand Drac. Right. <laughs> right. So I think this is a, I'm going to give you enough so that you can get yourself started. Right. And then I want you to learn the rest from an actual Drac teacher because then you will have, you'll be able to do all of the sounds and things that I can't reproduce. Right. And here's where we start the 1% wrap up the very end. Yes. So. Yeah. He right, teaches so, him football. We have a lot of really sweet. Yeah, there's I'm a lot the of doting cute moments. uncle moments. Yeah. yeah, and then there's the scavenger ship flies over. Yeah, and Davidge is like, "Oh crap, I need to go." And he's like, Check "Zombies, you have to stay here." Yeah, Zombies wants to come with him. No, because I I know what the I'm pretty sure I know who this is, and if it is who I think it is, I just want to make sure so that I can stay away. Yeah, and keep you away. And keep you away and keep you safe. But he doesn't explain that. Yeah, well, he's still coming down off of his toxic, fragile masculinity. Yeah. I mean, it's only been three years. (laughs) It's only been three years. You know, he's doing his best. Yeah. He's a good he's a good uncle. He's a good father figure, yes. parent figure to Zamis, including the part where Zamis is like, Well, I would like 
to be human. I don't want to be drunk. Right. I'm, I'm ugly. Wait, when do I get four or five? Yeah, when do I get to be a human? Right. And Dennis Quaid's like, you're not going to be a human, you're a drunk. And that's very important and it's very special. And you shouldn't throw that away. Right. And one day you're going to understand just how cool it is that you're a drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, oh, and he's kind of explaining, like, my parents were humans, so I'm a human. Your parent was a drunk, so you are a drunk. Yeah. Uncle, what was my parent like? Sammy's. Your parent was my friend. So sweet. Yeah. Of course, this is the moment where Zombies gets captured by evil slavers. (laughs) (laughs) We've been in peace for too long. Everything's been copacetic. We've been growing as people. We've learned to love our enemy. Everything's been stars and rainbows and, you know, a little bit of conflict. But for the most part, we've been trending upward. And so after he comes back and he tells him, like, don't go that way. Don't ever go towards the setting sun. Always go the other way. Right. And they have that sweet moment where they learn football together. And then he goes back to the cave one day and Zamis isn't there. Right. And it's and because Zamis has snuck away. Right. Like to go any, see the other Drax. Yeah. Yeah. Like any kid would do. Right. And so uh, he runs off toward the scavenger slaver ship. Yeah. Um, attempts to rescue Zamis. Uh, gets shot by Leon from Blade Runner. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's the guy from Blade Runner. <laughs> Uh, so we end with, or I guess we end this scene with Zamis getting taken by the scavengers and Davidge laying prone yeah. on the ground. Yeah. And then there's some a, spotlights. A failed rescue attempt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's some spotlights and a spaceship. Um, well, th- there's some spotlights on Davidge's body but then we cut to human space station. Yep. Which, uh, yeah, the human space station has a whole vibe. And it hasn't left. It's, it's still, still there. there. It's been three years. Maybe they're camped in this system. Yeah, the the station may not be mobile. Yeah. But they take him back, basically. they They find him. For whatever reason, they find him here. And they take him back. And they, he's like delirious. Oh no, he, they think he's dead. They think he's dead. And so and we, so they're going through this like conveyor belt, like funeral. Well, I love thing. the, the wreath flying at us. <laughs> and then we hear, we hear what's like a service, like a funeral service. And you right. think it's a funeral service, but no, it's like an automated tape. And they just have a conveyor belt of dead bodies coming down. And when it gets to the end, they're like, oh, this guy was uh, agnostic. He's like, okay, no music. And, they and just, so they hit the button, it drops the body and drops a wreath. Yeah. Because there's just a like a kiosk, like a, yeah, a dispenser the, full yeah. of wreaths. <laughs> a wreath dispenser. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's bleak. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. It's like the corporation rim from Murderbot, where the people are simply a disposable resource. Right. An infinitely renewable disposable resource. But they get to him and there's no tag. And they're like, oh, these people are getting sloppy. They're not prepping these bodies right. 
And the guy's like, open it up. See if you can find the tag. Yeah, so he opens it up and he's like, ah, there's nothing here. But then he like moves his head and he sees under the beard, the necklace under the beard. Yeah. And so he pulls out the book, the Talman, and the guy's like, go ahead, take it. Take it. It's fine. Yeah. So he tries, but. For the first time in in cinema history, the clasp doesn't break (laughs) when somebody just tugs the necklace. And pulling on that necklace revives Davidge. Yeah, he's like, not my necklace, you bitch. And he, <laughs> and he just punches the guy. And so then there's this scene uh, rolling him on like a gurney yeah. through the space station. And uh, so we get to see the sterile white um, aesthetic yeah. of the spaceship. He was only mostly dead. <laughs> And then there's a cool, like, elevator. film scene yeah, the in the elevator, elevator scene. where one side of the elevator is open, and it, it's a green screen, <clears throat> but it's it's really well done. Uh, yeah, the, it's really so cool. We go see... through the different levels of the space station and see people walking around and get kind of the vibe of what the space station is like. Right, and it really conveys a lot of, like, vertical movement yeah. through the space station and just how, like, dense the space station is. Yeah. And then there's a whole like, like automated operating room thing. Which takes up like 25 times more space than it needs to. But they put him back together. They patch him back up. And he's been muttering in Drac this entire time. And they're like, holy shit, he speaks Drac. And so they think he's been like working for the enemy or something. Like he defected. Yeah, he looks like it. You can tell by the way he looks like he's been stranded on a planet for the last three <laughs> years. He's got a giant beard. His hair is really long. Yeah. Yeah. It's super shaggy. Yeah. But they get him cleaned up. They get him put back together. They shave him. And he's like, yeah. thanks. Appreciate it. Now I'm going to go rescue the shit out of zombies. Yeah. So he goes down to the the fighter, the hangar. Because he is fueled back up on rage and rocket fuel. <laughs> that's what they pumped him up full of yeah in the, he, in the medical room and now he's ready to point himself in a direction and just blow shit up again uh, so his his old like fighter squadron comes to see him and uh there's some commentary there but yeah then he he's all cleaned up he's uh was it? oh he sees them in the hallway and yeah. they're trying to stop him. They're like, don't do this. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I'm going to fucking do this. And they're like, well, I, I don't. have to do this. They're like, don't. This will be the end of your career. He's like, I don't give a shit. My my nephew is has been captured and put into slavery. And you aren't stopping me. You aren't stopping me. Like, period. You're not stopping me. Right. I need to go save the child that I raised. Yeah. And so he gets in his fighter and he's like, oh, I'm it, just going to go. Fly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to log a couple hours. And they're like, oh, you are not clear to leave. You are not clear to leave. And he's like, open the pod bay doors, Hal. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am leaving whether you let me leave or whether I leave on my own. But I Either you leaving. open the doors or I open the doors. And you aren't going to like how I open the doors. <laughs> and so he ends up having to blow out the wall. And then he flies Which luckily the, the whole wall panel. Like his... His blaster is just in the middle. Yeah. And luckily the whole wall blows out. Right. And so he's like, he, bye. Shoo. 
yeets off back to the planet. And this whole wrap up is like 15 minutes long. Right. So he lands, he goes in, he beats up a bunch of humans. Yeah. And he gets in a trench coat and a fedora. Which I said, the trench coat fedora. Super effective disguise. Disguise works no matter what. He's walking on a catwalk inside of this mining rig. Yeah. And some other humans are walking out with some equipment. Which, and they just like wave at him like, hey, so, almost like salute yeah. kind of thing. Which just fuels my belief that we can't watch any movies that don't have trench coats. <laughs> it's a th- I'm going to start a trench coat meter to check off how many well, trench coats. It's it's an effective garment it works he gets in um, well, i'm just thinking for a lot of different environments yeah he t- i'm gonna talk about the trench coat for a minute oh okay <laughs> he talks he talks hey. to some of the oh i'm sorry i thought you were like i'm gonna talk about the trench coat in a minute oh no the, we're talking about the trench coat okay talk about the trench coat for okay. a minute so it covers the whole length of your body yeah and it buttons or zips in the front uh and it's usually a heavy material yeah so it'll protect you from like UV light, like so you don't get sunburned. It'll protect you from like small particles in the air because it's covering your whole body and it's a heavy material. Yeah. And protect you from the forces of evil. Well, sometimes the bad guys wear trench coats. Oh. Because it's such an effective garment. That's true. Um, so it's it's not an unreasonable choice. No, it's not. When you're on an alien, like barren hellscape planet it's fair and there's like wind and stuff you might get hit i wasn't arguing with the trench coat i just think it's funny that we always seem to watch movies that have trench coats in them and i I just wanted to add some explanation about why why we see them all the time because it's the best option it is and he also kind of immediately starts stirring shit up because he shows up he gets in and the first thing he does is get in this group of drac and he's like, zombies, has anybody seen zombies? He's speaking to them in Drac. In Drac. And he's holding up his Talman, his little book on a string that he's got. And they're like, oh, you're uncle. Are you uncle? And he's like, yeah, I'm uncle. And so they say, you know, he's up in the ship. But at the same time, he also kills one of the guards. He tosses him down into a conveyor belt. Right, in belt. front of this group of Drac. Yeah, so the Drac are like, oh. Hmm. Right, so as he's working his way through this facility... The Drac, he either talks to them directly yeah. and conveys, like, I'm with you. Yeah. Or the Drac see this guy who's dressed completely differently, beating the shit out of these uh, miners yeah. slash slavers. Yep. And so all the Drac are like, now's our chance. Yeah. Oh, if he's doing that, we could probably do that too. And so he finds zombies in kind of a cell. Like a cage in the and floor. And Zomis is mostly dead. <laughs> so he gets Zomis out, but then he gets captured. And then we have some fighty-fighty. I mean, it's, it happens. Stuff happens. He gets put in a hopper. He gets taken out of a hopper. And by the end of it, um, Leon... Two more... Oh, two more fighters have landed. Yeah, in the middle of it. Him. But also, Leon has subdued both Zomis and uh, Davich and dropped them in a hopper. And they're heading towards this lava pit where they're going to drop all these rocks. Right. And we hear a gunfire because Leon is holding yeah, a Leon, gun. Yeah, Leon is holding his gun out, pointed at Davidge and Zamis, yeah. and he's getting ready to shoot it. And then we hear, bang, and he kind of jolts, and he kind of looks at his gun like, that wasn't I didn't me. shoot my gun. And then he falls over. 
and he gets dropped into the the like smelting. And it's one of the drunk that that, that had shot him. spoke to. And I think this was the one that speaks English. Yeah, the older one. I thought his makeup. It's makeup. It, this actor's makeup. Yeah, okay. The makeup on this drunk was better, looked better than um, Jerry's. Well, Jerry is younger, I think. So Jerry doesn't have as many spines, doesn't have as much. Well, it was more like on. the wrinkling around the mouth. And oh. I, I'm thinking it's because the actor playing this drock was probably older and had wrinkles. Yeah. And then the wrinkles on their own, like the person's lips, kind of um, transitioned into the drock face yeah a lot better if it's a more lived in looking face yeah 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 but then the fighters arrive just in time to see davich and zombies embrace and be so happy to see each other yeah and then they're like okay and then everybody lived happily ever after and davich <laughs> went and presented zombies in front of the council and then when it came time for zombies to present its own offspring to the council they had added Davich's name to the lineage. Right. So now, so now I'm, I wonder if now they have six family names. Yeah, maybe Davich is one of the names. I don't know, yeah. but he is now immortalized in the 170 some generations well, of the uh, Jeriba line. 173 now. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. And then the end. Ta-da, the end. We don't talk about the resolution of the war. We don't talk about the importance of, although I like to think Davich knowing about the Drak and knowing the Drak language could have facilitated an end. Davich is probably the first human to become like culturally educated on Drak society. And uh, and so nobody in Earth's you know, culture, whatever, has a perspective on Drock society. No. And so the only thing that they had was their perception of, of Drock's, like, colonizing planets. And the, the way that they colonize a planet probably looks way different from the way that humans colonize a planet. Right. So they, they just interpreted that as, oh, they're just sitting there doing nothing. I'd like to read the novella and see what's different in the novella. See if yeah. maybe we get more of a resolution. Hopefully just cultural understanding. We we start moving towards a place where we aren't just murdering each other. Right. Like, I think it's, but it's the, very plausible yeah. that Zami's in Drak society is probably a much bigger influence than Davidge's on human society. It's possible. I think the the whole point, the reason why we don't talk about it is because the goal of this movie isn't macro. Right. It's micro. We don't want to hit all the debate points of like galactic yeah, uh, of, of fighting in a war against a, an enemy you don't even really understand. Right. It's more about if you actually met your enemy, if you actually met somebody that you you had been taught to dislike, right. and you actually spent time... And you depended on them 
for survival. Well, if you just spent time talking to right. each other, if you literally right. just the, went out and talked to somebody that was different from you, you would find that they aren't so different or that right. you have a place where you can meet and you can be friends. Yeah, and the, the plot, the hook for them spending time together talking is that they're stranded and they need each other for survival. Right. It's an enemies and, to to best friends. Yeah. Uh, story arc. Uh, and it's it's good. It it creates this very good kind of lightning in a bottle charisma of these two characters who are almost our only two real characters in the entire movie. Right. So Dennis Quaid and Louie had to carry this entire movie. And they do. They absolutely do. In a very fantastical setting, which could have been ridiculous had they not handled it so deftly. Right. But Dennis Quaid played this movie or played this character like so serious. It works. Like it, it's not um, like self-referentially right. humorous or campy or anything. And it feels very timely and it feels timeless. Yeah. It, because of this, because the setting is so it's, they scoop them out of real life and drop them in a sandbox. Right. So we're not, we're not trying to estimate what life would be like way in the future. We're just like, here's two people. People are still people. Here you go. Talk it out. And it makes the movie feel timeless. And I think the lessons in it are something that never get old, that never get old. Truth is truth. Right. Right. No matter how old this movie is, there's still value in understanding and in making an effort to understand and in not just fearing something because it's different. Which I think is why I like I like sci-fi because it I love it when they play with it as a place to tackle lessons that would be difficult to convey or would be polarizing if they were in the wrong setting. Right. But when you put them in a sci-fi setting, it becomes much more palatable. It becomes an interesting story that kind of also happens to teach you to quit being such a dick all at the same time. Right. Which is why I like it and why I like this movie and why I think this movie is good and it holds up and it's beautiful. Every time I watch it, I love it. You laugh, you cry, you have all of these wonderful range of emotions. It hits everything. And I don't even care that the wrap up feels rushed because they just needed to wrap the storyline up. Right. Yeah. And that's fine with me. Yeah. Because the important part. Yeah. The important part we already covered. The middle. Yeah. The fighting is whatever. It's just it's just a, a mechanism at the end to give you a little bit of a crescendo and right. then then done. Right. It, all of the setting is just to make the fact that they're stranded together like this plausible. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes it a good movie. I don't mm-hmm. know. I love I always love this movie. I always say that. I love a lot of movies, <laughs> but this one in particular, I think about frequently. Like, oh, that's a good movie. It comes up when I'm thinking about when I see stuff where people are judging other people just because they're different. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that there's a lot of lessons to be gleaned from movies like this. And I would love to see, I don't want to see this rebooted, but I would love to see this similar situation done again and see what it looks like through a 2023 like make, make this hand. trope more popular. Yeah, well I mean there's a, the enemies to lovers, right? But I I will I will die on this hill that we need to bring back 
non-intimate friendship, non-intimate love in a movie as the goal. Right. Because we've gotten very much, it's a romance or it's whatever. And if there's no romance, then it's just fighting and whatever. But the idea of taking two characters and just giving them time to become best friends in a non-intimate way. Right. And we don't need explosions and stuff. Right, because as the main attraction, the point of all relationships is an intimacy. Right, the point of the vast majority of the relationships you will have in your life are not intimacy. So we don't need to keep modeling the intimate relationship. We need to model the lessons of a non-intimate relationship, a bromance, or like a best girlfriends scenario. And I I love to see those movies, and we just don't see them. We just don't see them anymore. It's like the death of the high school movie. When was the last time you watched a good high school movie? Right. They're gone because we had to make high school so hip and updated and whatever. I don't know. That's that's my soapbox is can we please bring back movies that are about non-intimate relationships, like strong enemies to non-intimate relationship <laughs> tropes like this one. Because it, we look at all the stuff that we got to experience with them because we, were nev- we weren't waiting for them to hook up. Right. The whole movie. Because that, well, we had taken that off the table entirely, like in Will and Grace. That, that was always right. off the table. They were never going to get together. Right. And so we got to just enjoy them being friends. Yep. Knowing that it was the whole, the length of the relationship was open-ended. Yeah. And the, the length that, they were going to be maintaining the same tension in their relationship was open ended. Right. All right. My voice is about to go, so I should probably wrap this up. So remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful too. So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.